I'm Ari Takata Vasquez, and this is the Vicinity Podcast. In this episode, our guest is Brittany Luby. We talk with her about her path to starting a brand and becoming a freelance designer. We also discuss the importance of finding balance and self-care in these hectic times and the value of building and supporting your local communities. first place to start is probably at the beginning. So what is your origin story? I mean, I don't know where to begin besides like Washington, D.C., 1990. <laughs> uh, grew up only child, Caribbean household. My parents are immigrants from Trinidad and Tobago. Um, so yeah, I grew up on the East Coast, was pretty sheltered, nerdy, dorky, just fun-loving, weird 90s kid like to draw stuff and develop that into many other creative explorations that led me to art school where I studied photography and low-key design but never in any like major or minor capacity um, art history minor still nerdy <laughs> and now um however many years out of school, class of 2012, CCA, CCAC, uh, I am a freelance graphic designer. Practicing freelance graphic designer, I professionally like to play with colors and shapes and letters. When I think of you, I think of the most perfect color palette and just like <laughs> crisp, clean design. So it, you know, that totally makes sense. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your brand. Well, you know, 2016 seems like a distant, distant, weird mirage now. <laughs> but yeah. at the time, I think it was, uh, it, it snapped a lot of people into action. It mobilized a lot of folks, you know, whether you saw it coming or not. I think a lot of us just felt like, okay, well, there's nothing to lose. <laughs> you know, like if this can happen, I might as well get on my soapbox or, you know, put my two cents towards the bill. So uh, I thought a good way to like creatively exercise some of that energy and kind of shout out to all of the cool moments in art and design and culture, uh, feminism, intersectionality, all these waves that were kind of washing over Oakland at the time and, and in my life personally. And I think like in our generation mm. on the macro, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I pulled all of that into a t-shirt business. <laughs> it's an e-commerce uh, screen printed t-shirt poster uh, shop that showcased my designs that were you know anywhere from like the something and something and something and something design uh I did that I did a version with the characters from girlfriends um up to like a poster of Barbara Lee made a poster in homage of her you know just kind of being like we're out here we've been in the streets we're having conversations we're changing our own lives <laughs> fuck all this other shit. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what that freak show is. Like I'm trying to heal myself and my sisters and like, mm -hmm. you know, thrive right now. I'm tired. I'm tired of that whole external conversation. So I wanted to just like shout out to other women um, 
black women, brown women. I love, I've heard this story, I think once or twice before of the name behind Hema. Can you tell us? Oh yeah. It's just so, it's layered and amazing. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you. Uh, I had the initial spark of Hema because my mom growing up always told me that my Indian name is Hema and she would always like you know, call me that or like write it in little things or just like remind me, always like make sure I knew that that was my Indian name. And that is a connection that I have very like loosely to my grandmother, my mom's mom, who I just wish I had more time with. Like she was always just like this magical little Indian lady from Trinidad with like super long gray hair and just like the most delicate, sweet voice. And I mean... I think she was definitely a powerful woman when she was raising my mom and her six siblings. <laughs> but I got, I got the grandma version of it. And um, she, she was in Trinidad for most of my life. So we only saw each other like three times before mm-hmm. she passed away when I was 11. So um, nod to grandma through my mom, through like this pleading, but also like rooted matriarchal relationship and, that was just, that was totally the wave I was in when I was like super inspired by a lot of things, angry about a lot of things. You know, we just talked about <laughs> 2016, 2017. Um, but I was just, yeah, I was really alive back then as opposed to now. I think we can all admit that we're more dormant, you know, in the last couple of years. <laughs> um, all of that rolls into Hema. And then, of course, being, um, an American kid. Like I, I was born in DC, but yeah, being in middle school and jamming to like early odds, like Cameron. <laughs> so I was like, well, this is also very cute. So it can be him on, him on. Have you always been creative? I definitely will say I've always been creative. Every kid finger paints, every kid like makes weird potions out of mud and sticks and, you know, stuff in the backyard and does all of that stuff. But I also was really analytical and definitely very left-brained, way more rigid as a as a kid into preteen, teenage. But um, yeah, so I, I, I want to emphasize that I was not like a Montessori student, like feeling my feelings and expressing myself. I had a sense of style. I had opinions about how things should look. I really liked organizing my room or like rearranging my room. It's like, it was all very logical left brain. It was design. Yeah. <laughs> it was design. <laughs> I didn't know it then. Um, you know, like after the kid stuff of like, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up. Like the first thing I remember thinking or remember wanting was I want to be an architect when I like learned that that was a thing. And then My dad was always taking photos, so that just happened to be the tool that I learned first. It's not necessarily that the medium matters as much to us. It it, it tends to be more of like just a tool that you have at the time and you do the best with what you got. What do you wish that you knew before you started on a creative path? I wish that I knew that there was always time. You could always try something different and that quitting was not failure. Quitting can also mean setting yourself free to do the thing you're actually meant to do. 
Mm-hmm. That's really what I wish. Related to that, if I could have a second thing, (laughs) I I think they go hand in hand. Not only are you allowed to like stop doing something because you just don't like it and don't want to do it and you want to try, you know that you're curious about something else, but also it's really good to not always instantly become an A student in the new thing. Like, you know, first generation brown kid. You know, you come home with anything less than an A, they're like, where are the rest of the points? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, you know, you don't need to, like, there isn't, it, it's not a hundred point question with a hundred points to get. Like, it's not an A, A minus, B, you know, live in the excitement of learning something new rather than like anxiety or fear or shame around not being the best at it when you're mm-hmm. learning something like I wish I, I wish I had more space. Mm, mm-hmm. One area of my life that I experienced this in that I'm like working with and like unlearning things is it being in nature. Like I wasn't, I grew up like, you know, playing outside, playing in the woods with friends, like the woods near a friend's house or like my backyard or I was in the Girl Scouts and we would go like camping, but it was like camping on a you know, a flat open space with a bunch of other Girl Scout troops. And then, you know, the dads are making the breakfast and all, you know, so I wasn't like wilderness. I wasn't, um, we would go to the beach, you know, wherever we were. And especially in Trinidad, the handful of times I went back there with with my family. So I knew the ocean, but, um, yeah, trying to get comfortable exploring in nature is one area where I'm like awkward, but interested and excited and clumsy and, ready to learn about gear and (laughs) (laughs) taking fun pictures, you know? So I'm grateful for having the chance to play out that lesson, what I've learned from that lesson about creativity and like another significant area of my life. Such a good tool for mental health that a Mm -hmm. lot of like black and brown kids just don't get. Yeah. I think that like we're just discouraged from either cultivating the relationship or maintaining it if we had one. But in this decade of my life, I'm excited to be way less intimidated by it. As soon as I realized that like I could cook a steak in the woods and chill super hard and see beautiful big trees and it doesn't have to be like an intimidating, scary hike where I think I'm going to fall to my death and not like Mm -hmm. carrying a bunch of stuff like we're car camping, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But shout out to Reserve California. (laughs) It's a great (laughs) site. Today's episode of Vicinity is brought to you by Viscera Studio, a design studio helping passionate entrepreneurs visualize beautiful ideas. Viscera Studio helps people build brands that emotionally resonate with customers by creating innovative strategies designing brand identities. Capturing powerful images through photography and architectural design to build spaces as unique as your business. Visit viscerastudio.com to find out how we can help visualize your beautiful ideas and sign up for a free 20-minute consultation. So you're excited about being outside. You're excited about camping. What else are you excited about these days? 
Uh, taking walks with Kahi and our dog, Wheezy. She's nine years old, just like Cosmo, my big fluffy black panther cat. <laughs> They're both nine. They're both super chill. They're willing to share the sheds in the living room, which is very funny. Um, yeah, super excited about our little like family unit that we've been developing. Also, eternally excited to like nest in my home. Like I just got a new, I, the sheds I was talking about, I just got it from Uhuru and it was like the piece I needed in the living room. So I totally, we rearranged. Um, so good. Yeah. So just home, super excited about home, super excited about like what new plants are blooming on the neighborhood walk. And yeah. It's been an interesting time to start this podcast because, you know, we're recording here remotely. And uh, yeah. after the last almost two years, we've all had very different relationships to home than I think had we yeah. recorded this two years ago. I mean, yeah. I think you and I are both types who are like out and about networking, doing yeah. the thing. But I, I think in this time, it's really forced us to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, any tips you have for someone who has not quite gotten into the home thing or the (laughs) nesting. Yeah. I mean, a big, I would say two things are coming to my mind. One is like, you have to rearrange your space. You can't like do the square peg in the round hole. Mm. Um, You have to change something and moving things around in the room alone will refresh the energy of the room. And Mm. once you get started, you move one thing, you kind of have to move something else. And then you kind of like <laughs> see a thing start to happen, you know? Yeah. It's contagious. <laughs> but um, also like you don't have to be like interested in interior design or good at it, but try to make a little nook for yourself. You know, bundle that up with like your little, I'm going to meditate or whatever, you know, <laughs> like just make it really tiny. Even if it's just a cushion on the floor next to a, a cute curated stack of books or like a plant, <laughs> you know, like it's, you can get so granular with it and just like see where the baseline is for you becoming interested in your space or like connecting with your space. That's such good advice, especially for folks who are freelancing or just getting into being self-employed, like figuring out what yeah. that is. It's so hard to find that balance point. What has that journey been like? I started freelancing, well, really with Hema Goods. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I wouldn't call it freelancing, but that was the side hustle at the time. So this is like 2017 and, you know, starting to do like maker fairs. I think <laughs> I have been freelancing for at least a year, maybe two years before the pandemic happened. I think it was two years before the pandemic. So I was like working from home, still nesting obsessively. Mm-hmm trying to figure out when I should do the laundry versus answer emails versus actually work on the project. Should I get off the computer and sketch this logo first? Isn't that how I'm supposed to start? But I kind of have an idea to faster on Illustrator. And so I was like torturing myself <laughs> in this weird spiral in my room long before the pandemic. And then the pandemic happened. The last job I quit was a stationary job. and my boss was gaslighting me about working from home. I was doing mostly sales for him. And uh, so emailing our stockists, uh, ordering, you know, card stands to be sent wherever, doing customer service. And I was starting to work on the rebrand for his pivot. Um, And I kept trying to, I was, I was definitely in the, 
burnout phase. Now I have the word for it. I was mm-hmm. doing HEMA. I was doing, we were, for that job, we were doing trade shows in New York. So you came into this already sort of knowing, you went through that awkward phase of figuring out how to work from home, how to be, I don't even want to use the word discipline, but just knowing when the right time is to do certain things. It's been like a four-year awkward phase. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I've learned is to not continue to overcommit myself to things out of excitement and a little bit of FOMO. Yeah, I was really involved. Uh, I felt like I could do a lot more for small businesses, people of color, women of color, women, you know, by just like helping them make better websites, helping them with their branding, helping them like with their Instagram. I used to do Instagram a lot more, but um, it totally burnt me out. It totally Mm -hmm. burnt me out. So I had to just like learn how to rein all of that in and, and even more so when the pandemic hit. I'm like, I just need to be very realistic with myself about time mm-hmm. um, and energy. Definitely mm-hmm. have had like no energy for like two years. And I feel like all of my life just caught up with me. When the when everybody went into quarantine the first time, I was like, thank goodness. <laughs> we can all just stop. I've been wanting to just stop forever, but I didn't know I was allowed to. And Oh, it just, it was taking so long to learn how to do it on my own. I, it was such a relief when like the whole world had to stop. And then now I'm like, why did we all agree <laughs> to keep going again? We're not done. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I've learned how to take a little bit more of that for myself. Well, and I think it's particularly a problem of folks who try to take care of their community too. It all feels... And, it, and yeah. it is, but it feels even more pressing, right? It's like, oh, yeah, you feel more urgency to do the work when you're doing important stuff for people who mm-hmm. you know, don't normally get that, that support. Yeah. I want you to have the best branding possible so that you can attract clients and customers and make the sales and, you know, improve your own life in a material way. Like if I can lend that skill set toward that goal and be successful then like I can be of service. I can, I can be useful. What tools do you use to stay motivated? A lot of inspo. I feel like I just have always used my imagination as like my own mood board, my own Pinterest. I'm always just like clocking the tiniest little things. When we walk the dog around the block, like I'm always seeing like new buds or marveling at like how big the redwood in my neighbor's backyard is i'm like oh you can still see it and walk away <laughs> like just yeah you know, it like <laughs> literally the simple things you know stopping and smelling mm-hmm. the roses i think that's how i stay creative that's how i stay inspired just life inspo yeah i think of you as kind of like a, a collector slash curator i feel Love like curating. you always have something <laughs> digital or physical and you're like dude let me show you this like I, I and I feel like that gives so much good energy it's just fun there's so much stuff out there and I mean I think like growing up poor kind of quelled the like quelled the envy vibe the envy bone mm. in my body I don't know I don't often I'm grateful to say I don't often get jealous I don't often am envious I think I can be like a possessive friend 
uh, I'm an only child and I like to claim my people, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. It's just like, I've learned to be like, all right, I like that. And I'm going to get myself like the cool version of that when, when I get there, I'm just like constantly bookmarking mm-hmm. things. So that yeah. helps. It, <laughs> it does wonders for how I move through the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask that you want to shout out? Uh, I mean, I feel like we should always shout out Keep It Oakland. We love our city. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Keep It Oakland is part love letter, PSA, onboarding experience, um, and just all around good vibe for everything that's like independently made in Oakland, in the city of Oakland. So keepitoakland.town is the Instagram that I manage. Um, I mean, I really co-create it with all of the small businesses. Just so much talent here. There's been so much creativity here, like through the decades, long before I got here. Uh, you will find a lot of the members of the Oakland Indie Alliance, OIA, showcased on our Keep It Oakland Instagram. And every now and then we put out fun things like themed maps, you know, for different like holidays and seasons and we do a lot of cool stuff like um raise funds for uh damaged storefronts you know whenever we have uprisings which we totally support (laughs) like we support a lot of these uprisings um you know sometimes things get smashed so we just ask people to donate to help their favorite restaurants and shops to repair um we had a covid fund you know it's been a lot of hard times yeah a lot of initiatives to get people inspired yes and i should shout out when i had a brick and mortar business you got me to be an oia member (laughs) and then i got into it and then i became an oia board member and then the pandemic started and i became the executive director (laughs) How can people find you? How can they follow what you're doing? Stay in touch. My website is heymacreative.com. That's if you're interested in, in design and connecting with me for for work or, I don't know, you just like chatting about fonts or something. That's all good. Uh, hey, creative.com. I'm on Instagram as technicolorbrit. So the word Technicolor and then B-R-I-T. Well, thank you for being on the podcast and sharing your story and inspiration. <laughs> um, it's, been, it's been fun. Thanks. It's been yeah. Fun. Thanks for meandering with me. <laughs> Vicinity is hosted by Ari Takata Vasquez and produced by Viscera Studio. The Viscera Studio team produced original cover art by Sia Gould and cover animation art by Sonia Pohl. Closing music by Jack Sriracha. Check him out on all streaming services and at Brotherfar on Instagram. Intro and commercial break music by Understory, which is Miles Bianchi and Ari Takata Vasquez. Find them on Spotify. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get notification of new episodes. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to help more people find our show.